Thanks for tuning in to episode 21. Um, Last episode, I finished uh, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to be going into Romans chapter 13. Time slipped by very quickly. Um, But I do believe that this Romans 13 is a very important scripture for the day in which we live. Um, It's a, I mean, the Bible is timeless applicable to every day, every generation. Um, and so I pray that that the Holy Spirit would lead and do what only he can do in the hearts and the minds of the hearers um, and those who would come subsequently into the kingdom of God. So thanks again for tuning in. Thank you for following along. If you are new, welcome. Um, I appreciate you. Um, I hope this touches your heart and that you discover the availability of fellowship with God, even through the words that have been written for us um, through time. And so we'll uh, we'll just jump into chapter 13. Uh, this is Romans. Um, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, it's very... Um, modern-day English-friendly, so we'll just jump into it. Romans chapter 13, um, starting with verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. This is a immensely important verse. I, I'm blown away by, from at least in, in American culture and society, I'm blown away how we disregard this passage. There's no qualifying statements in it. There's no, there's no be subject to governing authorities if they are godly and have godly values. That is not what it says. I realize that this episode is going to be extremely unpopular, especially in the American culture, uh, the American context in which, in which I live. Um, but I just cannot... Um, remain silent in the behavior in which many have conducted themselves, even within the church, the body of Christ. Uh, For those of you who don't like certain translations, um, let's read it out of the New King James. Uh, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, 
and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So that tells us that every authority that is in place is there because God has put them there. There is no stealing from God. There is no um, tricking God. Every authority that exists is appointed, is there by God. Even the most vile and heinous authorities have been designated to be there. I understand that for our rational mind, it is hard to grasp. When we live from the place of the flesh, from, from seeing through physical eyes, it is difficult at least and, and sometimes impossible for us to see. But it is critical. It is critical. In our American culture, North American culture, I have to say we have to put away this idea that we do not have to listen to governing authorities. That is anti-biblical. And if all the word of God is, is God-breathed, Jesus, who is God-breathed, we could say behavior that is against what is said here in this passage is anti-Christ spirit. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Submission. In, in America, we do not like to submit. Other countries, that is not a, um, a behavior that, that tends to struggle. Other countries are very familiar and very um, agreeable to submission. But in America, we have a resistance to submission. We don't even like to submit to spiritual authorities. There is something that rises up when a spiritual authority, a person in, in an in a office of, in the body of Christ, when they speak against something or someone providing discipline, correction, there is a thing that rises up inside of us that wants to buck submission, like the whole, I, I, you can't tell me what to do. We have a submission problem in the American church. Not just the church, but through the world. Or through the, through the world as in the non-church, the those who are in the the secular, the non-body of Christ. Um, but again, this is all within the context of North America, as to all that I could really speak to. Now, we're not saying that. Um, well, I am not saying that you have to agree. With everything. I'm not saying that you have to like everything. We obviously our our morality is shaped through 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 um, the through biblical context. It is the the compass by which we can navigate our lives. 
I'm also not saying that people are to um, transgress against God because someone tells you to. But what I am saying is the Bible is clear here in Romans 13. Everyone, everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Verse 2. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. I think, and again, this is not going to go over well in, uh, in the American context, um, but anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. America itself is created out of an act of rebellion. Now there are there are a host of issues at play in the formation of America. There are there are a host of things at play. It it cannot be simply dialed into one particular problem. And um, I am by no means a, a history uh, proficient, but I have spent some time studying church history and as it relates to American history. And I would encourage you to do the same, but look at it through the lens of um, what is what is the fuel or the source of what is driving what would later be America to do what she did. Uh, there is an excellent resource that I would encourage um, um, anyone to to check out on YouTube. Um, his name is Ryan Reeves, um, and he's an amazing teacher. Um, I think it was Gordon um, Theological Seminary um, but I don't know if he's still presently there. Um, I just know there's uh, uh, he has a host of videos. Um, who is an, he is an excellent teacher who sheds light on um, many different um, church history uh, events throughout throughout time, and he provides a very good unbiased um, demonstration of information. But um, I would, I would add 
that um, propaganda is a very powerful tool. Um, it's been around for a long time, even prior to you know, social media and different mechanisms that we have today, different platforms. But propaganda has been around for a long time. And um, there is this spirit at work in America. And I think if I summed it up, I believe Paul touches it here in 13 when he says, a rebel. I believe that, now, don't mishear me, um, God has used America for uh, amazing work, and I value certain opportunities and, and freedoms that America has afforded its citizens. Um, I didn't earn any right to be here. I was born in America, um, just as many of you were born in other countries, and you were, um, you it be, your country became your storyline, um, and I truly believe God ordained uh, for each of us to be where we are. I wasn't happen uh, happenstance. <laughs> Um, chance or circumstance. It wasn't any of that. God ordained. Um, oftentimes, um, and maybe I would say every time, uh, something that goes as it should not. God can take that. God takes those events and he can bring about good in them even though they were a uh, not designed um, or enacted for them to occur. You know, God is not a promoter of sin. So there are things that occur in the world that he is not a part of. You factor in free will and, and the depravity of man's heart. And so there are things that happen that God is not, um, has not caused, but he could take those things and bring about good in them. So when Paul here writes in chapter 13, anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. I believe this speaks to the spirit that is at work in America because it's a very strong spiritual re rebellious um, force. And so he says, anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Now realize that it, it very much seems to, in the day that we live, especially in the American context, that people are getting punished for doing right. And those who are doing wrong seem to be getting off you know, scot-free. I realize that. And I do see the backwardsness of that. But we cannot invalidate Scripture because the world has got things upside down. We can't justify wrongdoing because of wrongdoing. Do you see the hypocrisy in that? 
So Paul says, would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. I also realize that many times when we do do what is right, there is not honor in it. But do we live for man's honor or for the honor that comes from God? Verse 4, the authorities are God's servants sent for your good. Now we struggle, we, we very much will struggle with that verse right there because we see so many times authorities not operating in in things that which seem to our good. But keep keep this always in mind. God would raise up, we're talking in, in terms of Israel now in in history. God would raise up kingdoms because of Israel's disobedience and and their blatant disregard for his commandments. They would depart from him and he would raise up kingdoms to do what to 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 put bring them to conquer them and to bring them into captivity we've some we've seen this many times throughout Israel's history in different kingdoms God raised up leaders and and put them over Israel in a in God's in God's approach is to bring them back to him. And and it seemed like it never failed. Israel would depart, would be wayward from God. They would become captive by another kingdom. There would be oppression. There would be disastrous consequences. But that would bring them back to the feet of God and, and repentance would occur. And, and then God would deliver them from their captivity, from their oppression, from the oppressor. So when, when it says, the authorities are God's servants sent for your good, that doesn't mean that these authorities will only do good things to you. This is to say that the authorities are doing something much grander than you may be able to see, but it is for good the atrocities that have occurred to to god-fearing israelites throughout time i'm sure was a very difficult for them to see or to be able to say hey this is for good but just like in our day thing authorities are in place <laughs> that are what does it say? They're God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment in the physical sense from them, but also to keep a clear conscience. When we resist authority, we are transgressing the law of God. They are put in place. This rebellious revolt, um, deny the, the government mentality, this whole like patriotism uh, movement, is a dangerous deception that is satanic and anti-Christ. 
I realize that many will not have an ear to hear it, and I pray that it that that declaring this would break scales off of people's eyes. But it is what is moving in in our American context right now is a blatant anti-biblical movement. Like I said, it's we don't have to agree with them. We don't have to like them. But as we will read further, there is something to be said about one, straight obedience. That's biblical. And then two, Paul will reveal to us about love. Remember, remember what we said in the last episode in, in, in chapter 12. Um, well, it's not in 12. It was in the introduction, but it was about Paul. He said, I would rather be cut off so that all of my Israelite um, brothers would come to know the gospel. Do we have that at work in our spirits? Pay your taxes too for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. No doubt. No doubt. When the people uh, in in the Roman context, uh, Christian um, converted, I'm sure that the, some of those reading this in about AD 57, read this and said, Paul's a sellout. He's a sellout. He has sold himself to the government and they are they have wooed him and perhaps they're paying him something. I'm sure there were these, um, you know, th- they were present there with their conspiracies and, and such. I'm, I'm sure that was present. I'm sure Paul fe- uh, felt pushback from statements just like that. Pay your taxes, he says. Pay your taxes. That is, what he is saying there is a, is a political, legislative, administrative um, statement. I'm sure there were people in the church who said, Paul, you shouldn't be talking about that. As you know, we're this whole, we're separating church and state. But Paul addresses this head on. He tackles this very controversial topic and he tells them explicitly, pay your taxes. We, if we go back all the way to, um, to Samuel and, and Saul, Israel wanted a king. And I think it was Samuel tried to warn them and said, if you do this, if you want a king like all the other countries, it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to do all these things. And he lists out all these things for them. And they said, we want a king. We want someone to fight our battles. We do not want to trust only in God. And so they ushered in this this era of a king over the kingdom. 
And so Paul says, pay your taxes, give to everyone what you owe, pay your fees that that those are that are the collecting them. Give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Respect and honor those who are in authority. It doesn't say like them, but it does say respect them and honor. And if you hear that and you say, I'm not doing that, that is the anti-Christ spirit at work in your heart. And I pray that the Spirit of God reveals that to you and you flush that out, that you cut that root at its source because that is anti-biblical. Give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Verse eight. Now we're talking. Now we're talking here about love, and this and that. That love is the fulfillment of God's requirements. This is also another area that many will struggle in. Verse eight. Owe nothing to anyone, except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Okay, that statement right there, love your neighbor, that doesn't mean love your um, your church brother or sister. It says love your neighbor. That's not specific to their belief system. In fact, he says you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. God's law is not just specific to your church family. It is specific to the world. So, When it tells you to love your neighbor, he's talking about your saved and your unsaved neighbors. Because when you do that, when you truly love them, then you will fulfill God's requirement of the law. You will do right because you love that person. As he will begin to unpack this more, sin is a consequence of a lack of love. I know know some will, when we get to this topic about love and, you know, you get a little squirmish, you get a little, um, you know, this whole like, oh, well, anything goes, you know, just love and you know, it's it's almost in your mind this idea of this, um, uh, you know, this almost borderline orgy kind of thing. But that's not that's not it at all. Just let's keep reading. Verse nine. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery. Okay, we can all agree that adultery is sin. You must not murder. That's a sin. You must not steal. That's a sin. You must not covet. Yeah, that we can all agree that is sin. Now, these are these are all things that are out of Exodus 20, 13, uh, about through 17. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus 19, 18. Paul is incorporating. This is very profound. Paul is incorporating the law of the Old Testament on the on the right side of the cross 
after the cross and sacrifice of 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 Jesus himself Paul is he is tying the old and the new together and he's tying it together through love well the expression of love is Jesus and the sacrifice of himself was the pinnacle of love, love for us, love for reunitedness. And so love is tying the old and the new together. Paul is not afraid to discuss matters of the law of God. Don't commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not covet. You all know these things. This is the law. He's not afraid to mention it because, well, brother, we're not under the law. We're under grace. He, he tackles it head on. And he says, these and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You would not want someone to uh, commit adultery against you. You do not want to be murdered. You do not want to be stolen from. Coveting. You probably don't have as much of a problem with that because it doesn't affect you personally. Um, you, it is, it is negative for people to covet what you have because it affects your relationship with them. So you do not want to be coveted against. So he's saying, love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Now, a lot of people have difficulty with this because they struggle loving themselves. They've grown up in particular environment situations where their value, their um, um, who they are, their identity has been so greatly dysfunctioned and compromised that they have trouble even expressing love for themselves or appreciation for themselves. So how can they appreciate or love or value someone else? That is a, a very difficult obstacle to overcome. But I think most safely everyone could could probably nod to um, that you don't like to be stolen from or you don't like uh, for your spouse to, uh, to to commit adultery with someone else um, that you don't want to be physically harmed or murdered. So so what Paul is saying is just as you want certain things to um, occur to you, you should also behave in such a way that though you do not inflict that on others. So that behavior is called love. And it's summed up. All the commandments are summed up in that one word, love. Verse 10, love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. That is deeply profound. And I would encourage you to just meditate on that one sentence because there is an, there is an eternity of revelation that is, can be found inside just that. Love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Not only did, did we find that in the person of Jesus, as himself love, fulfilling the requirements of God's law, but we too can fulfill God's um, requirements if we express and experience love for one another. We would do nobody any wrong if we loved them. 
Verse 11, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. He's talking about um, time as it relates to the uh, return of the Lord. He says, wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. Every day that goes by, we're closer to the return of the Lord. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Remember, this is about 57 AD. We are in 2021. So, remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Let the decency of your life that is rooted in biblical um, truths, revelation, let those let the decency of your life be a light for others to see. And they look at that light and they say, there's something different about you. Tell me why you do what you do. Tell me why you are how you are. And then then there is an entrance point into what God has done and the good news that you have to offer them. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. I think I'll spend my last moments here just commenting on that. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. I cannot think of a more relevant statement that what every single one of us faces in our walk to maintain integrity and purity and holiness in our pursuit of God. The the biggest battleground that the enemy tries to, to control is the place between your ears. It's in your mind. And when he begins to gain ground in your mind, things begin to take root in your heart. And when stuff starts getting rooted in there, then then behaviors begin to manifest. And this can take time or no time at all. It can be in, in a moment. It could be over time. But no doubt, the longer you let it go, the more difficult it is and the more captivating that particular root system takes over in your life. We all struggle with particular aspects and the devil is very strategic about how he comes at you, what he brings against you, what he entices you with. And the moment that you... uh, that you submit to his allure, to his temptation, immediately when you partake of it, expect condemnation, expect um, expect the, the finger pointing of, I can't believe you did that again. You said you wouldn't. 
you're worthless. You'll never get it right. Those accusations will come like flaming, fiery darts, but we must, we must press on in to nearness and intimacy with Christ. We must allow Him to shape us. We, we repent. We, um, we turn away from the intentionality of sin. And we refuse to make our bed in in sin. The devil is a very deceptive. And sometimes when we when we fall prey to those temptations, we we may not get accusations. For some period of time, he may let us, he may let us revel and enjoy um, whatever uh, place in that we're doing. But then eventually, those those accusations, those condemnations, those those things will come, and we may be so far into our sin that we cannot see the light. So I just pray that over you, if you are experiencing um, intentional sin, that you are um, that you are in that place. I just pray that the light of the Lord would shine in. That he, that that the Spirit of God would reveal to you those things that are rooted in your heart and in your mind. I pray that scales would fall off of the eyes of His people. I pray that those who may be hearing would come to know the saving goodness of Jesus. That you would that you would offer your life. That you would come under the leadership and authority of Jesus. That you would put your faith and trust in him to know that if you believe in him that you surrender yourself and follow after him that he will keep you that he will guide you that he will be with you and that the the return of the Lord Jesus will be a day that we we that you can look forward to with anticipation i ask this in Jesus name Amen. So I pray that Romans 13 be a challenge to you, that you spend time in the Word of God, that you would marinate in it, that you would allow it to read you, and that the Spirit of God would reveal to you that which He desires. I thank you for taking the time, especially those who have stayed with me through this whole episode. Um, I pray that those who have turned it off will come back and finish it out so that they can hear what God has to say. Um, but I thank you, and until next time, God bless you. If it means that I'm close to you I would trade a million lifetimes For a moment here with you And in your house I hold open